Hello everyone and welcome back to Ask William and Friends. This month's edition is optimism. And rather than regurgitating the usual New Year's platitudes, we are approaching this from a much more personal perspective. A lot of people struggle with addiction and its fallouts. And my guest this month has certainly seen the worst of it and is now helping others on their journey. I was meeting someone yesterday, a young lad, and he wants something socially to do to keep his mind. He thinks it's Groundhog mm-hmm. Day. Mm-hmm. So tell what, we get some little goals set up. Just come to gym, come to gym cut. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, all right. I said, I'll pick you up and I'll get you there. I'll introduce you. You don't have to do too much. Yeah. I'll support you. And after that, there was this man stood at the door. And I looked round. I thought he looked a bit dodgy. And he come over to the table. And I looked at him and I knew him. Like we've knocked about in a day, mm. you've done other bits together, but the moment was so powerful. I'm there, I've done what I've done, and now I'm helping his son. Addiction is an emotional topic for me, and I hope it helps our listeners who feel that a lot of typical happy, clappy conversations about being optimistic may relate to this. We're talking to our very special guest, Ross who is optimistic that he will successfully continue his four years of sobriety after 20 years of addiction. And even more, that he continues his work by helping others. Sit back and enjoy. Ross is actually a a recovering drug addict who has turned your, well, you've turned your life around and now you're in a position where you really want to help others to come to the same sort of uh, position you're in now. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, so I went into treatment four years ago after being kicked out, black bagged with my uh, partner. She gave me four black bags with everything in them. So I left the house, I went up to Scotland, got stable from the drugs. I knew that I wanted to stop. Do you know, I knew I wanted to stop. What were the drugs you were on at the time, Ross? Heroin and crack cocaine uh, and coke. Whatever I could get my hands on, to be honest. I mean, addiction is addiction, and I don't think there's so many different versions of addiction. I know listeners here are probably thinking, oh, you know, it's another drug addict, it's another story about this. You know, I don't think people understand how addiction affects just the general people in society these days. You know, you all have a glass of wine or a bottle a night. That is, unfortunately, addiction on most levels. Before Christmas started listening to uh, podcasts um, through a friend of mine, uh, lovely Joy Lefebvre, and the one that sort of kick-started my mindset around maybe that I was in a, in a bit of a rut was The Unexpected Joys of Being Sober by Dr Catherine Gray. And interestingly, as she was describing her sobriety or her addiction, and you go into it thinking, oh, you know, I'll listen, I ain't got an issue... Everything that she mentioned, whether it was the anxiety, whether it was the need for more, whether it was the losing your inhibitions, you know, because after that first drink, obviously, the first one's great, but it's that chase in the dragon. It always feels like I need more anymore. And listening to her really gave me the motivation, which I didn't think I needed, actually, before listening to this podcast. This is obviously a a harder drug and... Yeah, it was just crazy times, to be honest. I've been through it for 20 years, and this time it just felt different. I needed to do something about it, and uh, 
So local services, turning point. I went to see them. And one of the people in there was someone that I used to use drugs with. Wow. So I looked up and I got a bit of hope out of that. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. Thought, and had they rec- were they in done. a recovery at this he stage? He was recovering. He was working for the services. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I want some of that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I could see this is the whole point of where I want to be, what I've done. So I went up to Scotland, come back. And I was still doing a lot of dodgy things. I was selling drugs. Claire was going to work. I was in the house one minute, I was doing drugs, I would get paranoid, I would have the drugs outside, I was meeting people out the back of the house and then I would have to sort my head out and go and pick Claire up from work. And, but I was still asking for help, mm. that was the main thing, I mm. was asking for help and I was taking that support. And I remember, I share this story quite a lot, we've got a shed in the back garden, it's got ivy. But when I was doing all this stuff, I looked into it, I was overweight, I had COPD, my breathing wasn't great, my health was really bad, and I just looked into it, and I could see the window, and I looked at it, and I thought, I can't do this no more. My head can't take it, I can't handle doing all the lies, all the stuff building in my head, I just cannot do it. So I made the decision to keep going and turning point, and I said, Ross, you come to a group four times, and we get you into detox. Mm-hmm. And I turned up for those groups, even though I was flat out still and lying to everyone. I got to those groups, there was part of me that wanted to stop. And yeah, so I, got, I went to Birkenhead, I went to this treatment centre, and I went in there, I went in there. Loads of meds to keep me going before, even though they were going to look after me. Yeah, yeah. My head was saying, oh, I don't want to be ill. But I knew what I had in store. I knew I had to come off it, the withdrawals. I know I had it all to come. Mm-hmm. But I still went in there with a lot of medication. Yeah. <laughs> all down my waist. And a lot. the second day, it was gone. <laughs> it was just gone. What, you take it? I was taking it all. Yeah. And that was a, but then my I, head was telling me what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think people associate... So, you know, you look at an addiction. People don't understand at all the brain chemistry that reacts as a result of addiction. You know, people think it's willpower and, and this. And it, it's a chemical imbalance in, in your brain. A lot, of, a lot of it is to do with that. Um, and, and as you've just said then, your brain is constantly... You know, there's a backup plan, there's a contingency. It's all in, in your trousers ready for, for when you need ready. it. But when it runs out... When it runs out, yeah, I was in trouble. Shit, it's the fan. Shit, it's the fan. Yeah. And uh, so I was... Uh, so, yeah, day two in there, starting the withdrawals. But there was people in there, like, was a bit further ahead of me. And there was a, this worker in there. And he's been for it all, he's done it all. And he used to have a basketball in the garden with a basketball net. And it was a good far away. Oh, aye. And he used to chuck the basketball and it would go straight in the hoop. Without looking. Without looking. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, whoa. And the stories he was telling me, stuff like, I'm going to be honest, Ross, only 1% of people succeed doing this. And did he get it almost every, all, every, every time? time. What every a talent. time. Yeah. And he told me some war stories, and I like that. Mm. I like being told what someone's been through. Yeah, yeah. Some people say, oh, it's an old war story. I said, no, that's someone's journey. And he worked there. He had so much. And, I was, and in my head, I was thinking, I'm going to be that 1%. A few little things. Change and engage. Because I'm not the quickest of cats, but... I pick up on little things, mm. and these little things, they just give me hope. And then I'm thinking, this can be done. 
my, there's my friend at Turning Point mm. who I used to use with. Mm. So, I mean, you, you mentioned Turning Point, and we'll, we'll come on to it because um, we want to discuss yeah. how people can get access to these uh, areas to sort of get some help. How did you find Turning Point? Is that where you joined up when you decided to change? They're really good, yeah. but I never knew that. Mm. I just wanted to go in there, give them stick, get my medication, and get out. Mm. Swerve. I used to do tests, I had to do tests yeah, yeah. to see if I had it in my system. I was always blagging that. I even went in there like with, you know, the big coffee flasks, mm. the metal ones. I used to fill up a tube, put some lukewarm water in there with a pee in mm. to get the right temperature because it didn't have no drugs and in it. And it was someone else's pee. Yeah. Just to swerve the tests. Mm. So I could say, hey, he's got a clean test, but I never had a clean mm. test. Mm. I was just winging it mm. all the time. Mm. But once I learned and sort of like started to change the way I thought about the world and the things mm. and stuff, they started being, they got me into treatment for a start. Mm. They got me into detox and then come out of detox and it was like, I thought, yeah, I'm all right, mm. I'm fine. Been in there four weeks, come off medication. I couldn't sleep for a month. Mm. I had to sleep in the kid's bed when I got back. When Claire took me back, because mm. you see that I was trying. Yeah, yeah. And she supported me all the time as well. She's a good egg. We love yeah. her. It's emotional for me, actually, Ross. And we've had conversations recently where my brother, I feel like I'm sat next to him right now. My brother has been an addict from the age of 16. And, you know, something tragic happened with inside our family. And he was, um, you know, he was part of it, unfortunately, that he just never really got past what he, what he discovered, which was a death in the family. And it was a spiral situation with him. There was no resources in the northeast uh, that could help. And I remember he had a bit of counselling, but it was common knowledge. You know, that he'd have a counselling session back in them days and then everyone would be talking about it in the local pub because it was a small-minded community, you know what I mean? Um, and unfortunately, even today, you know, I'm, I'm 36 or 37, I always take a year off. He's a year younger than me and, you know, he's he's still... What you're describing, he goes through every day, and he will. I don't see any hope for him um, at, at the moment. I'm hopeful from having this conversation with you that we'll be able to look into sort of avenues that are available more north north of England uh, to to help him really. Um, but everything you've just said there at some stage, because we're really we're not as close as we used to be, but we pick up. If I'm sat with him now, we're having a great conversation. But I might not have seen him for three six months. And what you're saying there, we've had these conversations, even when he's been inside, you know, about how to get around certain bits and pieces, the testing, yeah. all of that, you know, it's, 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 you know, I'm quite emotional just thinking about it, but, um, yeah, it's a bit like what he's, what he's gone through and I've heard before. So, um, but hats off to you, you know, four years, you said now? Four years, four years. Four years. I'm sure there's been up and downs. Every day is a challenge. You know, when people say that I've been clean, it's, it never finishes, does it? That desire, or it's always in the back of your mind. Recently, I've been listening to quite a lot of podcasts on alcohol, which I've had a relationship with for many years due to my industry choices that I made in hospitality. It was very normal back in the day to work long hours. You spent a lot of time with the people you worked with. They were your family. You know, you'd finish a 14, 15-hour shift, you'd go out for a drink... You'd sleep for two hours, you'd get back to work at six. It was, you know, some days you didn't know what day of the week it was. But it was, it was just what we did. 
I've listened to a lot to do with alcohol addiction recently on different podcasts. You know, everyone, I'm doing the whole 75-day cleanse is what I'm supposed to be doing, but it's not been easy. Um, and I'm not going to say that I'm managing 100%. I've fallen off the wagon twice already. You know, it's only 75 days. But when a weekend comes, I associate that with seeing friends, having a drink, some Sunday lunch, um, etc. And even people that have been clean for so many years, from what I'm hearing... It can never always be done. There's always something that's there that associates it. And it comes from the brain uh, chemistry a lot of the time. You know, it's imprinted with us. So four years on, every day gets stronger or...? No, every day is a battle from since I stopped, uh, like I said. But it's, yeah, every day I think about it. No, some days I don't think about it. Some days I'm getting on. I use a lot of exercise for my well-being, walking... And I've got a good For the talk. listeners, Ross is a, a massive unit, actually. He's as, he's as broad as he is tall. Uh, so, yeah, I've got a toolkit as well. And I got told to start building this toolkit up early days in my recovery. Mm-hmm. And, like, I take it for the day. So today's another day. Mm-hmm. So I deal with this day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I deal with this day. And I've always got someone to phone if I'm going for a bad time or I've drove... The other week I was in Oxford and I drove past the Yardie and I knew them. Obviously, I thought, shall I stop? Shall I say, say hello? hello? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My head's telling me to stop and say hello, but I just keep driving. Well done. So, but I do have days, like sometimes I can't sleep and my head will go a bit. Yeah, but <clears> yeah, it's a battle. It's a fight all the time. But I'm willing to keep fighting to have the way of life yeah. that I've got now. yeah. And so uh, going on to what you do have now, actually, Ross, and thank you so much for sharing uh, that, that part of your life and where you are at now. You're quite involved with Inside helping others that were in your position. You, you're, you're part of a few different groups. You work with Aspire in Oxford. Can you just give us a bit more information uh, on that? So I work with Aspire at Oxford. Uh, it's a ch- local charity, supports people in housing. They have supported housing uh, support people just for their mental health and well-being, people in recovery. Okay. And would that be people that are living on the streets? Is it people that are coming maybe outside of, of time in prison? Is it rehabilitation? Does it help with any of that side? It helps with it all. All of it, it's wow. It's not a drug and alcohol service. Yeah, yeah. But we help, we support people. Like, I actually got supported with them. That's okay. That's how I got to work with them. So that they've got a, they work with Turning Point as well. Yeah, yeah. So I got told those words earlier, change and engage. So yeah, as soon yeah. as I come out of detox, second day, I was at Turning Point. Mm-hmm. They'd done box fit classes, aspired, run a box okay. fit class wow, at Turning nice. Point in the hub at the time. And I got involved. I was overweight still. <laughs> I'm going to have to see a picture of this yeah. overweight. You, you won't believe it looking at him now. So I just started doing it. And I just I was sweating. I weren't sleeping, but I just kept on doing it. Someone said to me as well at detox, short-term pain, long-term gain. Mm-hmm. So that's another little thing I picked yeah. up on, just little things. Yeah. Uh, so I just kept turning up and working with them. Then they offered to, about a year later, they offered me to put me through my bus license, drive the gym bus. Cool. So I did that. Uh, it was a big gym bus. I had a gym on the bus. Bloody hell. <laughs> A full, full so how does bus. how does that work then? It goes to different locations. It, it, yeah, that was the idea. Blackburn wow. Lees, rural yeah, yeah. areas where people can't get to the gym, and it was a big bus. And I was running the project. I had a friend, Nicky, he was my manager at the time, and I was only part time one day a week, and it, 
they said to me, you've got to take the bus out at least once a week to give it a run. <laughs> at the A34 one day, picked up a, a volunteer with me and it caught on fire. Off the A34, the whole bus went up. I was halfway up Boar's Hill. The smoke was coming out, cars were flying past. Uh, listeners, for those that do not know it, the A34, which Ross is referring to, is a very, very busy ring road that runs around the city of Oxford. And at times it's very busy, but uh, it's never as quite congested as Oxford City Centre. A fire truck turned up and he said, don't worry, these hardly catch on fire. <laughs> hardly. Said, they go, the fire engine will be along in a minute. By the time the fire engine came, there was Don't flames left. coming out the side, it was popping, it was going to blow up, so we were gone. But, uh, so that's happened to that. Wow. So, uh, that was the end of the gym bus, <laughs> by the sounds of it. That was the end of the gym bus. But what came out of that, my manager and the director of Aspire said, Ross, you handled that really well. Well done. Wow. It's devastating. A lot of work went into it, but you handled it. And that little thing saying, Ross, you handled it really well. If you would give me another step boost. Up. Yeah, nice. And they've just supported me, and I carried on doing stuff with them, mm-hmm. and I've just grown. And now I'm a social, prescribing, navigator lead. So I manage someone for a spare. Wow. I support loads of people, and I'm passionate about helping other people. That's what I do it for. Yeah. I see the growth, I see the change. I but see... I suppose then, Ross, sorry to interrupt, that when that day you walked into Tipping Point and you saw your old mate and. He gave you some inspiration because you wanted to be in his position by this stage. You're now where you saw him. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So it's sort of it's a mirror image, isn't it? And now you're the one where people would probably walk in and say, oh, God, I remember him five years ago. Look where he is now. That's where I want to be. So it's really nice that people get encouraged to, to well, have a goal to set themselves to get to where they, they want to be. You know, and that's amazing where you are now and you're helping others. Uh, but when you referred back to the beginning, four years ago, and you walked in, you saw old Jack the Lad, and you thought, God, you know, he can do it, I can do it, and that's where I want to be. We're best friends now. <laughs> nice. We're best friends. You can't have enough uh, friends. Visual, visual recovery. It's, like, really powerful. Mm. I really... So I'm, I've done security as well down the orchard centre in Dickot, mm. and I was quite naughty. And to get... To be a security guard, mm. after all the checks and yeah. my life and people locally, mm. I thought, I'm going to do this, stand tall, and then people could see change is possible. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'd done. I wasn't comfortable walking down a town in a security uniform, no. but I was doing it for, for the wages, obviously, as yeah, well, yeah, yeah. to support my family, to show people this could be done. Mm-hmm. I remember walking past people and they would laugh at me. What, people how, that you knew yeah, on the street? People who knew me. How, how have you got that job? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. And, yeah. Hard work. This is all in the four years. It's just, I've done a lot, and I'm grateful for it. And I just, like I said, the 1% thing as well, I just put that into everything, to be mm. honest. Question is, though, Ross, can you shoot a hoop for, without looking at it? No. No. <laughs> I'm still, still working still on it. I can't do that when I'm still working on it, but I still will keep working on it. That's the thing. Amazing. So, Ross, another question for you. What are your thoughts on decriminalising drugs, which is obviously a a topic that's being discussed at the moment? For medical reasons, I believe it supports some people, but everyone's different. Mm -hmm. And, like, with the harder drugs, like opiates, opioids, they lead to addiction, they lead to other problems. But I know if people need pain medication, 
and they're prescribing it by their doctor, but dishing it out like to addicts, like sweets, I think that it'd be a bit of a disaster. Mm, mm. There'd be more. They would still need to go to a pharmacy to get those drugs dispatched. Mm-hmm. And I think it would turn into more of a sort of like a pandemic because mm. more people would know it's widely available and they might try to fail. We get that from the doctor and it just like build up more. Well, I suppose, yeah. you know, if, if, if that was the case, a lot more people would want to give it a go. And what are your thoughts on just prosecuting the dealers rather than the users? Yeah, I, I believe if it's personal use and you're an addict and you've got a bag of gear and a, and a rock, a couple of rocks for your personal consumption, I don't think, you know what I mean, you're, a, you're an addict. But if you're a dealer and you've got like six cars outside your house, kilos of da-da-da-da and you're giving it to all these other people, then yeah. But I think it's a waste of resources arresting people for having a couple of rocks and a couple of bags. Uh, I suppose the other side of that, and again, I'm privy to some of it, is the um, demand to have it when you haven't got it, how it leads on to financing the next hit by maybe stealing. or Do you see what I mean? It's a vicious cycle, isn't it? You live for that. So I used to go home and I would obsess all night in and out of sleep how I was going (laughs) to score the next day Mm. or... When I'm, where am I got to go and pick up? Mm. If I was selling stuff, mm. I've got to go and pick up. Do you know what I mean? I'd mm. be working it all out in my head. And sometimes, if it was like I've had a bad day and I've got nothing for the morning, I would do really drastic mm-hmm. measures. Mm. I would get up, I would do things. I would like run into a shop and I'd grab something and I would run out or I would... Just anything to get the anything fix. Anything just to get. Mm. So, Ross, do you feel that it's become easier for addicts to come off drugs and to be successful with rehabilitation in Oxford, per se? Is, is there more opportunity for people to have that? Is it, is it something you see? Is it, is it proactively helping people come off, off addiction? There are some good services in Oxford for people in addiction, drug and alcohol, with an addict, they've got to be ready. So if someone's ready, they will go through. And but if they're not ready, I don't believe they stop. for you, obviously, ready for you was an ultimatum. You either sort this out or else, well, you said, packed bags, off you go. And, you know, the shed in the garden, the ivy, something clicked and you thought, something's got to change for me now. Something's got to change. For people that are not addicts, and let's say loved ones, you know, my brother as an example, it's very difficult to know what's going on with inside their head. What advice could you give? Or it's maybe not even advice, but all we want is for people to be comfortable, safe, feeling themselves. When's the right time? As you say, it's when they're ready. How do they get to that stage, do you feel? Always be there for someone, show them that there is hope. Mm-hmm. They can change. and Yeah, that's all you can Support do. Support them. That's all you can do. Obviously, I help a lot of people. And some succeed, some don't. But if that one person succeeds, mm. 
do you know what I mean? Yeah, on yeah. their journey, they, they're still going to be like struggling mm-hmm. with their addiction. They're still going to have to work on themselves every day. But just, yeah. And I think you mentioned about giving gratitude back to as many times as you can, praising people. You know, it goes a long way, especially when someone's on a journey um, of recovery, starting out. You know, when someone, like you said with the bus, all right, you fucked up, as in there's no bus left, but God, you handled it so well. And that took you on to a next step. So the support mechanisms that you give back to other people is a massive thing, as you said to me previously. You've got to make people feel valued with inside what they do. Definitely, 100%. I, love, I just like helping people. Yeah. If I could help someone, I feel, I feel good about myself. And it's really powerful watching mm-hmm. someone else. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Achieving their goals. Even if it's the smallest little goal and they achieve that goal. Mm. Ross, I've done that goal. And I'm thinking, yes. It's nice. It's good. Ross, people may not think that they've got a problem. And, you know, we've all been there. January is great for us because we can sort of set our goals and have a dry January, let's say. Is it hard telling people that they've got a problem with, because they can't acknowledge it themselves? Because it just becomes the norm. I will never tell anyone they've got a problem. I will suggest stuff to them. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say, well, you're flat out, mate. What mm. are you doing? Sort yourself out. Mm. I won't like, put that sort of, of in a question. Yeah. I would always support support them in a different way and hopefully they realise for themselves, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, Ross, does the entertainment industry and the media over-glamorise drug use, do you feel? Uh, yeah. I believe, like, with the old stars and that back in the day, that's when I was young, I was watching all this stuff. I was watching, like, you know, a few of the gangster films and stuff yeah, yeah. and they put it in there like, yeah, this is cool. And I was like... When I was younger, mm. I thought, yeah, I want a bit of that. <laughs> so maybe, mm. and I think it's glamorised in, yeah, in that sort of aspect. And then you should, when I was younger, I'm not that old now, but when I was younger, I see, I see these stars, you know, on the stories, the news, the media, partying and all that sort of stuff. And mm. I think, oh, I want some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't know where it was going to take me. A mega pint of red wine yeah. or Johnny Depp. In society, we look at addiction at different views. So the homeless people on the street, my brother's been homeless on numerous occasions, so I can relate to the stories that he's given me, etc. And we look at them, or people in general would look at them as, oh, they're just a drug addict, or they're just an alcoholic. You know, it's their fault. And I don't think people understand the connection with alcohol and drugs that make it justified for celebrity parties or, you know, high-flying business people, let's say, in conjunction with people that live on the streets. Because actually, both are exactly the same, regardless of if you're doing it at home in your mansion or whether it's on the street. It's an addiction. Do you think there are different views when it comes to addiction? Everyone has different views. I, for me... I, I try and everyone under one umbrella. Umbrella, simple as that. I was there was a home. I was doing some work with a homeless a couple of years back. This fella turned up and he was totally gone, totally gone. 
I thought, whoa, and had this big high-vis jacket on, and I got up at five o'clock, it was freezing cold, and he was up. He was homeless, he was up. I thought, you all right? He goes, I'm going to work. Wow. So he was homeless, and he was getting up, and he was still functioning, he was still going to work, even though he wasn't homeless, and he was just like that. And wow. I just think, yeah, I, if you're an addict, you're an addict. Every, you're going to be an addict in different ways. Mm. Could be alcohol, mm. could be drink, could be the gym. Mm. I That's believe true. I still go to the gym an awful lot, and I do obsess about it a bit. But it makes me feel good, mm. and if I feel good, do you, you know are what I mean? good. Yeah. 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 So with the, and I don't know whether you can shed some light on it. So the vicious cycle that comes with homelessness, and we don't know people's circumstances. It could be anything, you know, uh, depression, marriage breakups. It could it could be a number of things that put people on the street, and when they try to change everything around like this chap you just mentioned there that gets up every morning goes to work might have an addiction whatever else it might not it might just be homeless getting back into society you know renting a place getting a bank account all of that sort of stuff for years and years and years you couldn't do any of it something recently changed though i think is there is there something out there now that means that people that are homeless can sort of get back onto it. I think bank account was a big thing because you needed a proof of address in order to open an account, whereas for someone that was homeless, that wasn't an option. But I think somewhere recently, there is something that's out there where you can open a bank account to start putting your money in or your benefits, etc., um, ready for you to then onboard it into back into homing and bits and pieces. Are you aware of it? Yeah, but there are a couple of banks I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. You can open accounts with... Uh, not having an ID with the help of like a sub support worker from different services. Yeah. Uh, there, with my other one of my job roles, we support people come out of prison and I would support them to get ID mm-hmm. if that was their needs. Yeah. Maybe they want a gym membership. I would try and get them into a gym for a couple of months, uh, sort with fines. Mm-hmm benefits, if they want to talk to another service about their mental health and well-being, I'll refer them to them. Is there any things that you would like to discuss, Ross? Is there anything that you're passionate about at the moment, perhaps, or things that are not going as well, maybe with the government, that you want to sort of vent? You feel free to get it out there, or...? I'll be venting all day, to be honest, <laughs> at the minute. Um, I think it's important to also mention, uh, Ross has mentioned he works with Aspire. Um, he also works for the NHS. And just for our um, brothers and sisters across the pond, the NHS is our national health service here in the UK who do a sterling job looking after our needs, even if they are uh, on strike currently which is a justified cause, we feel. So, yeah, we wouldn't be without them, and we're extremely fortunate to, uh, to have them. I don't mind sharing this as well. So I was meeting someone yesterday, a young lad, and I'm sat in there, and he's, he's had a, he had an injury. I'm not going to say too much yeah, about yeah. it. And he had to learn to do certain things again. And I met him, and I'm sat there talking to him and this thing, and I'm telling him, yeah... And he wants something socially to do to keep his mind. He thinks it's Groundhog mm, Day. Mm-hmm. So tell you what, we get some little goals set up. Just come to gym, come to gym club. Mm-hmm. He said, yeah, all right. I said, I'll pick you up and I'll get you there. I'll introduce you. You don't have to do too much. Yeah. I'll support you. And after that, there was this man stood at the door. And I looked round. I thought, he looks a bit dodgy. And he come over to the table and I looked at him, and I knew him. Really? 
and this is the dad, and I knew him, like we've knocked about in a day, mm. used, done other bits together, but the moment was so powerful. I'm there, I've done what I've done, and now I'm helping his son. Wow, it was his son. It was his son. Wow. And what, one of my children was born when one of his children were born, and I was in the hospital with him in 2006, and I just got really emotional. Yeah, no, I bet. And, and did you know, obviously, the young lad, did you know it was... He was no. This, oh, he did? No, wow. No. God, what a shock. over to the table. Yeah, yeah. And did the dad bring him over then? He, he put him on the table, and do you know what he said? He goes, this is the one... Who got you your first PlayStation? Well, it's a bit dodgy. I must have sold a few dodgy PlayStations. <laughs> Bloody hell. Uh, but, yeah, it was really It was a powerful moment. Yeah, yeah. I drove home from work yesterday, and I was grateful that I was in that position to be able to support this young lad. Yeah. And I was just thinking about it all the way home. All the way home. Wow. Wow. So I'm going to get him Monday, and I'm going to get him to gym club. And uh, with this thing... To wet from the accident and where he is today, he's had to learn to do certain things and he's done it. Mm-hmm. So I think there's so much potential there. Yeah, yeah. And get these little goals and yeah. And um, so you mentioned about obviously back in the day with his his old man. Is he all sorted now? He's fine. Top. He's clean and whatnot. No, I don't uh, believe so. No, okay, fine. Yeah, fine. But I don't believe so. But but hopefully it'll give hopefully inspiration, give especially inspiration. for his son and. I mean, it's amazing. You know, the guy's obviously, the young lad especially, he's determined, you know, to get over these little goals he's already managed after the accident. Yeah. So, and I'm sure with your help. I love what you've done, and I'm so pleased that I got to meet you. I'd love to know more about it. I think for people, uh, we're lucky in Oxford. We have resources, we have support mechanisms, we have Aspire, we have Turning Point, just to name a few that you've mentioned. I don't think it's as well supported elsewhere in the country I, I i can vouch for that on the the north side with with what's going on up there as such if you had to say something what would you want to say to people that may be listening to this uh, or struggling with any of this or has someone in their family that has gone through or is going through the sort of things that you've had to go through over the last four years ross if you're struggling ask for help i would just say recommend ask for help there's always hope yeah, there's always hope. No matter where you are, I think, yeah. If someone had to pick up a phone now, or would you, would you look at your local council services from wherever you're listening from? Is there a number you could call at the moment? That, or a, uh, is there a, a charity that you could pick up the phone if you had a loved one you were worried about or, or struggling yourself? Who would, you, who who could, would I call? Yeah, I mean, is, uh, is there any... There's mutual aid groups What I, early my recovery... They really supported, supported me. And I went there and I got numbers off the people there mm. and they supported me and I've still got a lot of friends now from this mutual aid group. Uh, and there's groups for all alcohol, drugs, well, cocaine. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah, groups yeah. for everything. Homelessness, sex, addiction in general, yeah. And you go to those groups, you meet new people and... You're you know on the journey I mean? together. You're on the journey. You meet people on the recovery. You meet people on your journey. And you learn from them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I'd recommend that. And obviously, do some research. We're all different. Things work differently for different people. Mm-hmm. I don't go to any groups anymore. The odd one, maybe, but I go to gym. That's mm. my thing. Yeah, yeah. And well, you also do 
some public speaking. You have regular meetings and, and help other people, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm quite in a lot of my tools are with recovery yeah. and people with recovery. Okay, cool. And it's interesting, the gym, isn't it? I mean, I was always very worried about it. I remember there was a, a horrible situation. My old general manager, Michael Grange, from years ago, he was a big old chap, diabetes, and uh, I joined the gym with him. He's like, oh, come to the gym. Anyway, you know, I was smoking 40 fags a day and whatnot. And uh, we used to start on the bicycles. Well, God, I... I could only do about 15 minutes tops and that was on a leisurely you know cycling and I mean he he was a big old boy and he was going and going and going and I remember I I went into the changing rooms afterwards well I'd never been in changing rooms you know what I mean and there was no no one no one was hiding out you know what I mean anyway I left I was in a panic because I thought god I shouldn't be in here like it was all too you know and I slipped as I was leaving you know almost broke my neck anyway I never went back but recently, well, last March, I made a decision. I looked at a picture. I was at an event in London at this really expensive restaurant. I mean, stupid, you know, for a piece of a soup for 25 quid. And it was shit. Anyway, long story short, I was sat on the sofa one night and I'd, you know, had a couple of drinks. It was a Sunday, I think. And I looked at some pictures and I thought, God, I look terrible. Swollen. But I was overweight. I'll show you some pictures anyhow. Anyway, and that night I decided I just joined up. I joined up on, online, 26 quid a month, unlimited classes, whatever. And I remember going to the gym and it was one of the old, you had to scan your QR code or press your numbers, whatever, and I went in there. And the staff who welcomed me were absolutely amazing, you know? And what it's given me, the gym, is it's given me something that belongs to me that isn't anything to do with my life, as in my work, uh, my personal relationships with people it is mine it feels like it's mine and the group of people there are so supportive and they drive you forward you know I'm getting up at five five o'clock on a morning now I get to the gym at six we do the classes got a personal trainer and I wouldn't give it up for the world and it's a bit like addiction as you mentioned because I missed it this morning and I feel terrible right now so I made a change in life because I could have easily not have signed up that day and I could have easily just carried on doing what I used to do. The endorphins that it releases to me, it's worth every single bit of sweat and tear and I sweat like a bastard. <laughs> I mean, I'm a terrible. Don't follow me around on a circuit training because you'll be wet through. But yeah, so no, good on him as well, the young lad. And I hope it all works with him. I think for final comments... Feel free to send me an email if you need some more information. Again, I can run things through Ross uh, and a selection of others um, and just know that there are things out there to help. We want to be able to you know, bring this in front of people. It's not widely available unless you're looking for it most of the time, which is frustrating. But yeah, here's to 2023. Here's to me bulking up, you bulking up. We love our gyms. Until we meet next time, Ross, thank you so, so much for taking part in the Optimism podcast with us. Any final words? It was a pleasure, absolutely a pleasure. And yeah. Clearly this episode meant a lot to me, from my brother, my industry friends, and my own struggles. I'm becoming more aware of how much a problem addiction is. Because of the podcast, and my conversation with Ross, and maybe my general disposition, I have also become hopeful that addiction isn't a one-way street to misery. Once you acknowledge it, and commit to addressing it, Ross is a case in point that you can have a life without substance you were once a slave to. 
And even more inspiringly, you can have a life that involves helping others with their addiction issues. That leaves me feeling very, very optimistic indeed. I'd like to thank Rigat360 for the production of this show, and also a massive thanks to Sunfun New Mediterranean Voyages for their generous sponsorship. Uh, a shout out to the Marriott Didcot South also for allowing us to use one of their function spaces. Thank you all for listening to our first podcast of 2023, Optimism. Please do let me know your thoughts and subscribe to our series. Feel free to share with people, especially if you know anyone that's struggling at the moment. We have listed resources in the show notes of organisations we have experienced that help with addiction. I know there are loads of groups out there globally who are also able to help if you need it. Our next episode is Love, and as always, we'll feature a fantastic guest. I'm excited to think that you will be with us on this, so please, please do stay tuned. You can find us at Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts from. The future is bright. Welcome 2023, and until next time.